Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Shrew, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree. And we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. I hope you're still awake after that intro music. <laughs> Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Let me tell you something. This is a whole genre of music. This guy's name is Dan Gibson, and I was getting a massage the other day. And I can always tell where you've been. The lady based was on playing the this, music. and of course I did my thing. And I've researched this guy, and he's got a massive body of work. He reminds me of that guy George Winston that had all these. This is a big deal. I mean, you know, all these. They wouldn't do this if it wasn't good, and it 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 almost sounds like a hymn. I was to say it, um, it sounds the like a church, church. Life will go strangely. Is that dear. the name of it? It, it, it sounds yeah, it like sounds that. like that song. Other than yeah, yeah. It's called "Calm the Mind," and the the album name is Solitudes. Huh. Yeah, he's. Uh, but I don't know if it's Dan Gibson himself on the piano because they don't show his picture; they just show what he does or, or the music that he comes up with, and it's. It's very uh, relaxing, and I mean, you know, I put it on at night when I'm trying to sleep, and uh, I don't remember what I did. So, well, but the, the hope is that we didn't put our listeners to sleep just as we're starting the show. So carry on. It, it is 8 o'clock in the morning. Okay, so let's get into the uh, what's going on now. Uh, as of January 6th, this is... Uh, an economic report on Market Watch. U.S. U.S. adds robust 223,000 jobs in December. Wage growth slows in sign of ebbing inflation pressures. Okay. Now, let's start off. The Fed is severely out of step with what's going on in the real economy. Rather than saying it looks like it's beginning to work, the Fed is sending out all of these signals like we don't want to see the stock market go up when we get a report of a slowing economy. I'm not sure they can control that um, because about the only thing they have at their uh, at their control is is the you know, the Fed funds rate, the discount rate, those things. Um, I would say that we are still uh, trying to add back jobs after COVID. I mean, I, I think we're going to be adding back jobs after COVID for five years. And there's therefore, you're going to see unemployment numbers are going to be low. It's going to look like we're operating at full employment, but it's full employment based on lower numbers. And, uh, you know, I think it's a little deceptive because, um, but this is, as, as Adarsh has said, this is the most forecasted recession. And it's, it's now, the government is now officially trying to manufacture a recession that doesn't always work very well because 
I don't care how strong and powerful you think you are. You cannot tell markets how to go. You can't, you cannot really control human behavior on a large scale. You just can't do it. And that's what the Fed is trying to do by raising interest rates. And really, people are working around that. You know, the banking system is subject to it. But if people want to borrow money, okay, now they're paying 7% versus 3% a year ago. Okay, I'll pay 7%. They'll still loan you the money. Uh, but uh, That's the government calling you. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know. Um, I just think that uh, I think the Fed is really out of step. What about you guys? So, um, you know, we, we know that uh, inflation is, has been relatively high. Of course, the recent data is showing that inflation is cooling down. Uh, but if you go back just six months ago, um, we know home prices have appreciated significantly since 2019. Um, there was a lot of speculation going on in the stock market. The prices of various commodities had shot up tremendously. Uh, and a lot of that is being uh, reversed right now. Um, the The Fed is using the only tools, you know, that it has to try and address a problem which uh, is not very easy to address, um, especially if it's driven by shortages and not just by an increase in uh, demand. So, some of the excess speculation, you could argue, that was a result of the Fed being too loose uh, during COVID and even, you know, since the financial crisis, where interest rates were zero, the Fed was expanding its balance sheet, went from about $800 billion to close to $8 trillion, uh, over a span of a decade. Um, so, I mean, the flip side of your... Uh, argument would be that if the Fed is out of step with the market right now, was it in step with the market since the financial crisis where it kept interest rates so low, it pumped in so much liquidity, uh, and, yeah, you know, it took a number of years, but the liquidity finally made its way into uh, the economy. Okay. And then what happened? And now it's trying to undo that uh, by using the only tools that it has, which is selling off uh, the bonds that it bought uh, over the last few years, mortgage-backed bonds and uh, treasuries. I thought it was just letting them run off. Is no, now they're selling selling them, yes. They're selling into yes. the market. And the market and, and the mortgage-backs have rallied even with that going on. Right. Um, wow. See, that tells you there really is a market out there. So... Um, and yeah, if you go back to really, so the last time we had a severe inflationary episode was, you know, late 70s, culminated in 80. Uh, you know, the Fed basically did something similar. It jacked up interest rates in order to engineer a recession. Right. Um, 
and uh, it succeeded then we did have a severe recession in 80 81 um this time around uh so far we haven't really had a recession just now certain sectors of the economy you could argue are severely slowing down especially the real estate sector uh commercial real estate also um the uh used car market is severely severely slowing down but uh i mean this is the only thing that the fed knows uh, to do and that's what it seems to be doing well, do you, do you think it's uh, let's that's fine let's go ahead uh, i was actually i was going to get into the numbers <clears throat> that came out today and uh and the market reacted yeah, the uh, stock market right now it's 329 on friday and the dow is up over 700 points it's up uh, i'm showing it's up 767 so yeah so the market's look, so the the numbers that came out the the new jobs uh, 223,000 that has been declining the last three readings uh maybe further i just i know the numbers on the last three and that number's been declining um and uh, i guess th- th- this was a, a a bigger one looking at wage growth uh so wage growth is still growing but it's growing at a slower rate so the wage growth has started to slow down and right. the new jobs is is slowing down and so the market's looking at this you know bad news is good news so to speak um that the fed will and, and it, everybody tries tries to attribute a daily movement to something Sure. And what's being attributed today is speculation that the Fed will, you know, uh stop the tightening or slow that down. That's what, you know, people are expecting. Here's the thing, when you're looking at the market, everybody's watching the Fed right now and you have this immediate knee-jerk reaction. It's like that's the only thing that the market's watching is speculation. Seems like it's been doing that's do. been that way now for about uh, most uh, of 22. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I mean to me the biggest risk isn't what the Fed does or doesn't do. I mean everybody's focused right here. What's going on in the other 90% of the of of the world of the of your vision that you're not concentrating on? Is something happening Is there? Is something happening there? Like Ukraine that you don't type. see coming. And well, what if the war in Ukraine was suddenly over? What if China suddenly reopened what what would happen to the markets if say one of those yeah. things happened right oh gosh what if they both happened yeah. i mean you know what what do you think would happen to darsh if if let's say china just said zero covid didn't open well then they they say they have reopened they have. and and they are trying to get herd immunity quickly and a lot of people ha- are sick so maybe that didn't affect the market as much the the reopening of china uh it's affected the chinese market the chinese market's moved up significantly yeah. uh, over the last two months um but i i think if you take a step back you know there's there's always something that's going on uh if you look at the trajectory of the market over the last 100 years you know we've had two world wars we've had the korean war the vietnam right. war multiple wars multiple episodes of inflation uh two pandemics already we had right. the pandemic in 1918 and then 
one more and a hundred years later. Natural disaster. Um, so ultimately, the market is a function, uh, and individual companies are a function of their earnings and their revenue growth. Uh, so, you know, if yes, if you're trying to pro- progr- uh, prognosticate what may happen in the near term, then yes, some of these events might make a difference. But you know, if you look, take a step back and think about what may happen over the next ten years, then these things are not as relevant even during even when the us entered world war 2 in 1942 the market did not drop it actually started rallying at that point because it had already been through a severe uh, depression in the prior decade Stocks well wars are typically good for uh, the industrial uh, sectors also yes yes so anyway to you know what would happen if say China were to reopen, yes, that would increase demand, but then you could also argue that it would add pressure to already existing inflationary pressures where commodity prices could go up. So there's always two sides to what may happen. Same with the war, you know, certain industries benefit because of the war. They would uh, they would get hurt. Uh, so uh, really, I think it's important to just, you know, if you are buying individual stocks, focus on the fundamentals of those stocks. And if you're a stock market investor, then do not invest for the next six months or the next year, invest for the next 10 years. Yeah, and that, that's kind of the where I was going with that because let's say <clears throat> you're right and you call what the Fed's going to do. Um, and you're spot on on, you know, the taper when they're tightening, when they, you know, reverse course. Let's say you're spot on on that. And you might get a, a positive reaction one way or the other. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, that that's a bet. That, that's all that is because yeah. that, that, that's an event-based bet that, all it that's going to happen. And you're right or you're wrong. Right. But you could even be right on it and still be wrong on your investments because there are these other million factors that could play into that or the, the flip side of – why the Fed might start easing if that event happens, right. you know, what, what's causing that. And so those are all the things that we know that they're unknowables. Right. And <clears throat> what is knowable, though, if you're investing in a company, um, it, it is knowable what their balance sheet looks like, what management's doing, yada, 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 dividend history, all this stuff. That is something that's knowable. And you can build an investment thesis and a portfolio around those types of Absolutely. things, but not around event driven. Can't do it. Now that gets to our research and that's where we got to toot our horn. I mean, this is supposed to be a advertisement for our company, isn't it? That's I mean, what I try you, to tell aren't you. Aren't you supposed to be in charge of marketing or not in charge of anything? Just giving direction. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, the point that I'm trying to make here is this. We do the research on the companies that we add to the portfolio, the ones we own, and we have a very pretty well-developed view of what we think the economy is doing because you can't invest in a vacuum. Right. You cannot just buy a company because you just like the financials or this kind of thing. You have to have some idea about what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. 
The economy is human activity at its purest, basest, simplest form. Human activity involves the exchange of money, goods, and services. It's that simple. If you don't have some kind of feel for what's going on in that area, you can't invest wisely, you know. So, But then you don't only let that drive your decision-making because right. like you just said, that can change. It can be affected by outside inputs, mm -hmm. some of which would be unforeseen. Right. Now, then, given that you're going to be in that kind of situation, you know that there's always the chance the minute you invest in something, it could be down 10% in a week. <clears throat> and you don't have to be cool with it, but you gotta <laughs> be, you're going to have to deal with it. And you're going to have to know that if it happens, it might happen. Is that going to shake your investment thesis? Is your investment thesis purely based on circumstances working in your favor immediately? Or do you have a longer-term view, a 10-year view, that is not dependent upon immediate circumstances going your way. Now, if you're there, now you're ready to think about investing. And then, given that you think what you think about the market and what's going on today, you interpolate that into companies that do certain things in the world that might be investment choices. Right. And... <clears throat> a good way to put time on your side. Um, I mean, A, right. if you're if you're 30 years old and you're dollar cost averaging, you're contributing to something, time's on your side. Um, but Unless you know, you're stupid. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That, 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 that. <laughs> but what... I like how Mike just smooths it over. The, 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 the world we live in with our yeah. clients, you know, we're dealing with a very specific situation, which is retirement. Yeah. And you're not dollar cost averaging. You're likely getting ready to start taking distributions. And so if you're right. if you're in an environment where price volatility is there, and that's always the case, but you have times where it's heightened. If we're in that kind of an environment, then how do you put time back on your side part of the way to smooth that out is with dividends because growth is just price movement short-term price movement um, growth is great when it's growing dividends help smooth that out some so while the price of a stock is bouncing around at least the investor is getting paid while they wait for the price to go up and so dividends can help yeah put time back on the side for retirees. I mean, we've got some things we own that the price has been all over the map, but over several years that they've owned this thing, they still have a positive return because the dividends have been so good. Right. Uh, and uh, it's like a, a guy that used to be a friend of ours talked about, look at it as if you were investing in a rental property you you know when when you get that uh, monthly rental income, uh, it's not like somebody chopped off a door in the house and sold the door to to give you your, your distribution. Well, wait a minute, 
Or this is just our confused. This is this is the first <laughs> the Tom Dupree show. I don't know, mentally, I think with I a Darsh and a Darsh Meshru and Mike Johnson and our host yeah. Tom Dupree. Okay. If you'd like to give us a zone. call, eight five nine. I was in the zone. Two three three zero four hundred eight five nine two three three zero four hundred. We'd love to take a look at your portfolio and give you more information about our investment procedures and policies. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us, Adarsh Meshroom, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. All right, I'll tell you about this song. Uh, this is by Rye, R-Y, Cooter, C-O-O-D-E-R. Rye Cooter uh, was a famous session man in Los Angeles, famous for his slide guitar and his kind of scratchy vocals. And when I went to college, there was a guy named Max Matthews across the hall from me in the dorm. And Max had a really nice stereo system in his room. I mean, for college, you know. And he had this great collection of records. And this was one of them. And I'd go in there and just get him to play this album. The whole album was good. But there, uh, Ry Cooter is kind of a bluesy guy. He's a he's very versatile. You've heard of him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been on lots of people's albums. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's played with everybody that you can think of over the years. Yeah. And uh, done a lot of solo albums of his own. Um 
he's almost a Bob Dylan y sounding guy, but he's a little bit better guitarist. Right. It, it's sort of a sort of a blend country blues yeah. style. Kind of California blues yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. but uh that album is Fifty years old, almost. I, I think I bet it came out in seventy three, seventy four. So I've been listening to that album. You know, I'll I'll get a CD and wear it out, or look at it one day and it's cracked. So I just order a new one. It's a terrible thing to do, but it happens. Anyway, um, now you guys want to keep moving. You know, what are we doing when we're doing this show? We're building a case for investing. You know, we're 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 trying to discuss what's going on in the world, and then we're looking at some of it. If you do this uh, Zwig thing, which you want to do right now, yeah, that's going to be looking at people's behavior, right? Zwig, Jason Zwig, uh, who's on, who's is he still with the Wall Street? This is on something else. Yeah, uh, this this was just a, a I think it's thing a, that actually he, a, like a, a, da- a daily uh, thing I get in my in my mail. Out. Yeah, but he, he is still writing for the journal. Is he still writing them for? Yeah, him? yeah, okay. yeah his Intel client. intelligent investor. Yeah, now, Jason Zweig is really at his heart kind of more like a psychologist in right. a way. He he looks at. Uh, the way people think and based on how they think they will act. So you're looking at the economy, you're looking at how companies are run. And then you look at how people think surrounding investing. Now I think Mike tends to like Jason's week because <laughs> he comes in contact by talking to a lot of these clients with some sort of, weird viewpoints on things uh strange not that our clients are weird or we don't that's not what i'm saying you know we get a lot of people come in here and and different people have strange ways of looking at stuff don't be nodding your or acting rolling your eyes it, I mean, there's some strange ideas out there it's it, not all bad but odd sometimes and <laughs> what was the guy he said, I'm too old to shoot at him. <laughs> That's when we yeah. thought the government was getting ready to confiscate all the ammunition. Yep. Yep. And we've had people in here that have said all kinds of things. So, you know, in a sense, you know, Mike's kind of like a probation officer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a joke. I, I, all I'm trying to say is he does, you, you, you hear things. And so it helps to read so, somebody, you know, who kind of looks at the way people think surrounding money because there's just mainly there's just a few basic ways people think around money and most everything else is kind of a variation of that's that. right yeah i mean you know you're either greedy or you're scared or you're you're uh irresponsible yeah. or you know a lot of different things and, and different different things cause that different the way people are wired yeah. experiences how they all grew that. up but but yeah you have you know kind of Four or five, well, it's emotional. Cultural, really. some of it's cultural. cultural. You know, yeah. what what kind of thing did you, uh, what com- kind of community did you grow up in? How did they look at money? And Early experiences with money. Yeah. That's a big one. Your parents, your yeah. family. Yeah. 
but all all that it all plays into investing you know like we were talking about in the first half of this um because i mean investing is such an emotional uh uh endeavor um you have to keep emo or you you try to the best of your ability to keep emotions in check um and you know it, it, that's where we come in we try to help our clients do that uh, and we have to do it ourselves when we're investing um one and, of the one of the things i've noticed and i've been doing this for a lot of years is examining my own emotions over a long period of time and realizing how unreliable they are. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I did everything just based on my emotions, I'd be a mess. Yeah. Worse than my wife thinks I am now. But um, <laughs> I, you know, uh, you just, you have to almost step back and look at yourself having emotions but refused to act on them. Right, right. This was this was. Uh, er, I mean, first couple of days of January, he called this the four wishes for twenty twenty three, and it's a kind of a summary of four different articles he's written in the past. But two of them I really really like. Um, the first one, uh, he says, these are his wishes. The first one's, may you learn that trading isn't the same as investing for 2023. And the other one, may you distinguish between being rich and being wealthy. Um, I'll touch on that second one first, just because 2022 generally was, you know, just you, you had a bad year in the market, just kind of across the board. Um, and it's easy to get fixated on, you know, the current market value. And that's the only thing you see. You don't see opportunity. You only see, you know, things that, that you know, quote unquote, that, that have, has been lost. Um, and always remember what money is. It's, it's your ability to do what you want, essentially. And when I say do what you want, that doesn't necessarily mean spend what you want. It gives you flexibility um, to, you know, be it experiences. It gives you the flexibility to not spend is what wealth is. Um, some of the wealthy, and you, you said this, Tom, some of the wealthiest people we've met don't necessarily have the biggest accounts. Yeah. Because it, it's all about the size of the account in relation to the lifestyle. That's it. Um, and they tend to live within their means and within their income constraints. Right. And so being wealthy, um, it, it, it's, it's a contentment. You know, are you content in whatever phase or whatever you're doing? And does your financial situation still support that? Um, right. And as uncomfortable as 2022 was at the time, um, a looking forward, you're you're probably going to be in a much better position for things that you're buying today. Looking out the next twenty five years on an investment horizon, plus um, it, it it we we're, we weren't in a financial crisis, you know, oh eight oh nine scenario, and so our clients we're we're always from the get go a little more conservative in terms of withdrawal rates, things like that. And so 
what happened in 2022 didn't impact the withdrawal rates for our clients. I mean, it, they're, they're in terms of the dollar amount that they're taking out. And so it's uncomfortable, but when you look at current quality of life, is the portfolio generating enough to support that, that, that standard of living? Um, that hasn't changed. What has changed is the number on the statement. That has changed. That's not fun to look at. But always remember, this is a, a, it's a process. It's a dynamic process. And things that we're seeing and buying today and able to add to the portfolio, that's, that's in there to set you up for retirement. Let me, let me say something here. Four months ago, five months ago, um, a lot of our stuff was down significantly. And that was right as the interest rate rises were beginning to become reality. And the market didn't know what to make of it. And so a lot of things sold off pretty hard. And naturally, as you know, the owner of the firm, running the firm, I was very distraught. And I don't know why I was because I saw it coming, but when it finally comes, you know, you, you get that way. And I studied it and studied it and studied it. And finally I began to realize, you know what, this isn't bad news. This, we've been through this before and you begin to remember. And then we began to realize that, you know, this could be turned from bad into good. And that's when you go from having this feeling of dread to a feeling of opportunity and excitement. And um, those are the times when you lay the groundwork for a good long-term portfolio. It's in those periods where emotions are at the greatest distress. That's right. It's always worked that way that I, that I have, I mean, that's been fairly consistent. So now I get to where I sort of like those kind of times because it, it, it means we're going to be able to get some bargains. Well, and I mean, the market is made up of people. Um, and it could be people controlling computers or whatever, but the market is essentially made up of emotion, short term, um, goals, different things that are, you know, this it, is, this is millions and millions of participants buying and selling for one reason or another, unlimited number of reasons. But at the core of all that is emotion, fear, greed. Those are the two. And if you're feeling something as a, an investor, you're feeling scared, uh, probably everybody else is to varying degrees. If you're feeling, um, you know, just euphoric, everybody else probably is too. Um, and those two extremes, it's the counterintuitive part of it. When everybody's scared, you know, what's, what's the, the, the old saying, you know, the point of maximum pessimism, uh, that's, that's the best time to buy. Um, and when everybody's euphoric, that's ideally the best time to sell something. Um, but it, it's, 
and the market has vacillated. Today it's euphoric because yeah. things are up so much. Everybody's feeling good. You could be back into pessimism on Monday, literally. Sure. So, right. um, the other one <clears throat> I think's equally as important, and this is something that uh, coming out of COVID the last two years, uh, it's been hard lessons learned. Hopefully, lessons learned uh, for some people, but trading isn't the same as investing. Right. Uh, and when we say trading, that is taking action on what we were talking about before, short-term uh, bets on a particular event, you know, betting right. on the Fed doing something or not doing something, you know. And it, it could be with with the, the computing power out there, it could be something that's as, as quick as, you know, less than a second that people are trading and speculating on. Uh, but coming out of COVID, <clears throat> it was it was a way for people to gamble, you know, trade in, trade out of things. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a diversion. Yeah, that's right. It, it was, was a, a diversion. Way to, way to spend your time, you know, yeah. and you were making money. That's right. Um, but trading, um, some people are good at it. Very few are good at it for long periods of time. Almost none. Yeah. And it's it's like the gambler having a hot hand on something. It doesn't change the odds. You know, no. each hand is still the same odds. Um, but you, it's it, that, that gets into the emotion side of it. Um, you have to be <clears throat> disciplined, have a process, <clears throat> and have that process – uh, that's that can be clearly explained, and that's and th this is this is the uh, fascinating thing to me. It can be the most simplistic concept, but it can be incredibly hard to execute. Like it, what? Give an example. Well, um, I mean, let's just the the idea of dividend investing, investing oh, for yeah. dividends. It's a simple idea. It's like, well, it's, you know, here's the stocks that are paying dividends. Um, simple concept, but you have to be incredibly diligent uh, in your research and what you own in building out that portfolio. Very hard to execute. It takes a lot of work. Um, and so there, there's simple concepts that are difficult to execute and just take uh, it's just determination, tenacity, to be able to do that kind of thing. Time takes time. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the most important, I guess, lesson uh, from uh, bear markets, you know, I, I think one of the best things that happened to people who got caught up in uh, trading last year, speculating, uh, is that the majority of them were, you know, people who were just starting to, dabble in the markets this was you know their, yeah. their first foray into their markets uh and they weren't necessarily trading large sums of money uh they were using apps like robin hood uh trading crypto and using money like the money that the was given to people during covid yeah yes exactly so this you know losing is a very important lesson when it comes to the markets and losing with small amounts, small sums of money is uh, is much better than you know doing something like this at a later stage in life, when the consequences are greater. So, 
hopefully this you know this entire episode and it happened very fast you know we the market dropped during covid rallied quickly and 2 years later we are at a point where many of these stocks and cryptos have lost significant you know uh percentages of their value so uh, yeah. hopefully this was a good lesson two two things on that i mean one hopefully the lesson wasn't well don't put anything in the markets cuz then if you know, you're you're somebody in your 30s and well I got burned by by the market quote unquote by trading didn't make anything and then you never invest again that's going to be a very very expensive mistake long term um but then hopefully the lessons learned on speculation uh, but inevitably it won't be because we'll have another bubble at some <laughs> right, point right. i mean it, it always has happened and always will happen uh, that's just human nature. There'll be a bubble, you know, in the next five years, 10 years, what in something uh, that people are going to be doing the exact same thing on. Um, right. And that's, I think it's more of a generational thing. So you yeah. know, during yeah. the, the last two years, seasoned investors, you know, your, your boomers or investors who've been through a few cycles did not get caught up in all this euphoria, whether it be cryptocurrencies or growth stocks or SPACs. Uh, because they had already seen this. Now, they felt pretty bad when, you know, stuff that they could have bought was going up significantly and they did not buy it and they were still owning their, you know, so-called, uh, I guess, seasoned businesses or whatever. But uh, uh, they were ultimately proven right uh, because it all unraveled very quickly. Uh, so, you know, as a new generation, you know, rises you know whether it be 10 15 20 years from now we'll probably see the same thing repeat each generation has to make its own mistakes right you're listening to the tom dupree show with the darsh mushroom mike johnson and our host tom dupree if you'd like to come see us it's as easy as going to our website there is a schedule button book now to come see us and you will receive a confirmation of an appointment We'd love to see you. You can also call us, 859-233-0400. We'll look forward to hearing from you. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show.